This is no April Fool's joke. Our March membership campaign was so successful that we're extending it through the entire month of April. Enjoy 50% off the regular monthly or annual membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING, one word, to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content, an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING to receive 50% off. Thank you. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello. Welcome to this uh, podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I am joined by Corey Shockey of the American Enterprise Institute. Hi, Corey. Hello, David. And Ed Luce of the Financial Times. How are you doing, Ed? Great to see you, David. And Rosa Brooks of Georgetown University Law Center. Is there a school in there? What no, do you mean by law center? We, we just consider ourselves the center of law. The center of law. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, hi, Rosa. How are you? Hi, David. So, you know, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, um, and we were talking about America's most annoying allies. Well, we were talking about Israel, and we were like, you know, here is this ally. It's a really important ally, but they're not supporting us in Ukraine. They're a little too close to Russia. They're very difficult. They don't listen to us. They play politics within our own country. And I think this led someone, perhaps it was you, Rosa. Hey, with allies like that, who needs who needs uh, adversaries? Exactly. And we just sort of thought, well, are they the only annoying ally out there? Are they are most annoying allies. Who else would be on our list of annoying allies? And how can we straighten them out? Uh, you know, we'll start with you, Corey. Just pick one. <laughs> Uh, well, I, while it is tempting to pick one of our allies that may be less difficult but more annoying, right? Like the, the wealthy, self-satisfied, safe Western Europeans who condescend to us while expecting us to defend them. That um, certainly isn't. That's annoying. That's annoying. Yeah. That's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying, but in fact, they they contribute in ways that we don't always acknowledge of them. And while it's true that every time I get on a train in Germany, I think, wow, I sure wish we uh, had somebody protecting us so that we could spend money on trains like this. Because, <laughs> wow, that'd be great in the golden state of California. Um <laughs> Germany is, in fact, a great American ally. And one of the things we underestimate is the burden Germany bore of being 
where all of us would defend our interests forward instead of having to defend them on our own territory. Um, I this think is, my this, vote... is a, this is allied apology. <laughs> I mean, you know, Germany is an annoying ally. You could pick them, but pick somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I, I think, can I pick historically or does it have to be at the moment, David? I would say right now, right now. Okay, well, right now, in that case, I'm going to pick the United States of America. Oh. Hey, that's not fair. I was going to pick us, too. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay, I guess I Ed, that leaves you with the easy ground of picking hours. turkey. So go ahead. Go ahead. No. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I won't. I no, will give. I would give Rosa we, America we several so, annoying allies. How about that? What if we each get to pick several? Pick several. Go ahead. Have at it. Um. Well, let's see. There would be um, Luxembourg under the oh. leadership of Jacques Pousse, who, in 1991, when Europe wouldn't intervene by itself in the Balkans proudly announced this was the hour of Europe rather than the hour of the United States. That that's a that's a pretty high standard for annoying Eman American I think ally. Emmanuel Macron announces that every morning in the shower. <laughs> yeah, but France at least could defend itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take the bait on Turkey. Um, but but here I would suggest that uh, the United States bears part of the burden and because we have gone these, what, 10 years uh, in which we were unwilling to find a, a bargain that Turkey could sign up to on Syria, where I feel like our policy has been completely disingenuous to say, yes, it's true that, um, you know, Kurdish separatists count as terrorists in Turkey, but uh, we're going to arm and support related Kurdish groups in Syria because that's actually in our interest. Our failure to uh, find a compromise on that issue, I think, has driven Turkey in, in unhelpful directions. But of course, none of that excuses the fact that first prime minister and then president Erdogan is flat out playing the authoritarian playbook of uh, cracking down on civil society, of closing newspapers, of, uh, of uh, clearing out political opposition by claiming they were involved in the 2016 attempted overthrow of the government of uh, being indignant at the United States when uh, American judges did not find the claims that Turkish citizens who've taken refuge in the United States were part of that coup attempt. Um, Turkey, uh, but, but again, um, so, so Erdogan is driving Turkey further authoritarian. I promise I'll stop in a minute, David. Um, second, I am homesick for the days when 
at the start of Erdogan's prime ministership, Turkey had a positive aspiration of creating an Islamic union that was a parallel to the European Union. And I think the fact that they are now so um, crassly playing both sides of the Russian-Ukraine war um, shows how far they've fallen from that. Remember, Ed, when Barack Obama was only a year into his presidency and people were trying to get him a gotcha on his lack of foreign policy experience. And they said, hey, Mr. President, who's your favorite foreign leader? And he said, um, Erdogan? <laughs> I think I think he switched that after a while to Manmohan Singh. You yeah, know? another... Who, who, no, he was a decent leader, um, but yeah. um, unfortunately he paved the way for Modi. Um, and, and Obama liked Modi too, uh, which is like a real puzzle. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm straining at the leash really here to say France, just because I'm British and, uh, and the French, you know, they're always there and from de Gaulle onwards have always sort of demanded the, the sort of, I guess the mind share that they haven't really earned and they, they want, they want to be on the podium. They want to be, have their, um, you know, noses raised higher than others, etc. So my Anglo, uh, my English sort of Francophobia um, is sorely tempted, but I'm not going to choose France because I think allies should be like friends, critical when, um, when it's merited. And, I think actually this is where Britain is a pretty annoying ally in that it is uncritical. Um, that Tony Blair was a force multiplier for the Iraq war rather than a check when France and Germany were correctly opposing the Iraq war. That's what good allies do. They didn't um, just say, oh, the price of being a, 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 an ally of the, of the superpower is we support it in every venture. Britain, at least um, with the exception of Vietnam, has always done that. And in some cases, it's wrong. And right now, I think on China policy, Britain as a whole, well, this conservative government is attempting to be Mike Pompeo or Josh Hawley on China. And I find that reckless. Um, And I don't think that's what a good ally does. Um, And so I'm going to have to choose my own country of Britain, much as I'd like to poke the French in the eye, um, I'm going to resist. Um, well, uh, that's quite uh, noble, I guess. Uh, um, and uh, it's big of you to overlook the Battle of Hastings. Um, <laughs> well, we we won the Battle of Hastings. Oh, yeah. Hastings. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. Glad, g- glad you could correct that. And Lawrence Olivier was terrific around Ashenkor. I mean, it was terrific. Wonderful. Yeah, um, it was a, it was a high point. Uh, go on, Rosa. Th- these guys are reluctant. I mean, we've got Israel, we've got Turkey, and I mean, we got Turkey even without Corey mentioning Sweden and their desire to keep Sweden out of the EU. We've got Ed, who's vacillating between England and France as though either country mattered anymore. What do you think? Well, I was going to nominate three. 
Um, first of all, I was gonna I was gonna go with the UK because they're a lot like oh, us, yeah. and yet they're, if possible, even more messed up right now. Um, so that's both an, well, that's simultaneously annoying and kind of a relief to see somebody who's even more messed up than we are. Um, but it's also quite annoying because at a moment when it'd be really nice to have a a strong internally internally strong and coherent ally in the UK, we, we really don't have that. We have them doing various bonkers things that Ed has helped to elucidate for us over the last few years. Um, so I'm illustrate that Ed has helped illustrate for us. Elucidate, not yeah. illustrate. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then I was going to nominate Canada. Um, because they're always trying to make us look bad by being nice, and Justin Trudeau's way too good looking. We, we hate that, and you know they're polite. Wow. And we just really hate them. You know they're they're sort of like us, except except better. nicer, smaller, <laughs> better, and that's extremely irritating. And you know they're very self righteous about how much better they are, and it's and we can't stand it. Um, um, and then I was going to go back to you know what 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 Corey started with, which is, I think we're our, we're our own most annoying ally. And, and, you know, uh, it sort of goes without saying, uh, that's perhaps also the same as saying we're our own worst enemy. We're both our own worst ally and our own worst enemy, you know, that, that we our inability to get our own act together. Uh, we constantly self-sabotage in all kinds of ways. And we, we, we talked in our last episode about the summit for Democracies, not the summit of or in or with, but for democracies, and and you know our own our own democratic fragility, our own difficulties in sustaining uh, and, and strengthening either our, our internal democratic norms and systems, um, our domestic economy, uh, etc. Uh, you know they they constantly cripple us and make it difficult for us to be effective when it comes to our foreign policy because we're so busy being screwed up here at home. So so that, that those are my nominees, Canada, the UK, and our very own selves. Corey, Hungary's in NATO. What's going on here? Oh, it's David. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Corey. Hungary's in NATO. I feel like NATO. we should make David answer without knowing we what the question David is. Without, David yeah. that, that would be yeah. usual. Yeah. And he'll just... Come up with an answer that will fit any possible question we might have asked. Just pick a country, David, and then we'll tell you whether you're right. Just name one country. Turkey. Correct. Ooh, correct. You are that correct. was a, that was well, that was that was correct. Now name another country and then you can guess what the question is. I heard Hungary, so I'll go with that. So if Hungary and Turkey are correct <laughs> answers, what's two. the question? Why are they in NATO? Well, that's close. Our, that's what close. we're discussing here today, David, are this is the sign who, of an ace reporter. He can figure is. out the question without even hearing it. No, this is a sign of a Harvard graduate. He is so full of shit <laughs> that <laughs> he is trained to do this. And uh, I know Rosa. I, I, I get it. You too. But um, it, you know what my dad always used to say: you can always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much. Could we start, could we start the Columbia preparatory school uh, jokes now? No, no. My my dad always said about Columbia was that um, a, a guy walks into a urinal and pees and starts to walk out, and the guy next to him says, "You know, at Harvard we wash our hands uh, after we pee," and the other guy says, "Well, Columbia we don't piss on our hands." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Anyway, um, David, I'm going to give you a breather here. Corey, doesn't Hungary belong on this list? Yeah, the democratic backsliding in Hungary um, is incredibly dangerous for the people of Hungary and not just for them, but for their neighbors. The way Orban is now uh, moving against Ukraine uh, on the argument that ethnic Hungarians living in Ukrainian territory are being subjected to, uh, you know, unbearable restrictions in elementary school and other places. Moreover, he has held up European Union funding for Ukraine um, and is uh, threatening that he won't participate in sanctions against Russia which Hungary has threatened several times before as a way to try and leverage an end to restrictions on Hungary by the EU for undemocratic uh, legislation and moving against free press and an independent judiciary. The problem, of course, that both NATO and the EU have is that when they added new members in the 1990s and the early 2000s, we set standards uh, that those countries had to meet. And countries met them at the initiation, and many no longer meet them. And Turkey, when it was admitted in the 1950s, um, those standards weren't, they, Turkey wasn't subjected to those standards in the 1950s, nor was Greece, by the way, which was also a military dictatorship at the time of their admission, I think. Um, and, and so, you know, we have raised the standard with time. It's appropriate to raise the standard with time, but those institutions are have the same problem. Their foot is caught in the same wolf trap that President Biden's foot is caught in with his... Uh, summit submerged under democracy or whatever it was we agreed on was the right terminology in last week's, um, which is that what do you do about partial compliance? How do you vote people off the island? And of course, those people would have to agree to the terms on which they were voted off the island because of unanimity in, in decision-making in NATO. And so, um, we're stuck with an alliance that is closer to its original standards, which is uh, we agree, we the countries that participate agree we will assist each other uh, if one is attacked and that assistance is to be determined. Then the current interpretation of we are free societies with common values that agree we will commit military force. To okay, each so we got defense. 10 minutes left here. I know. Dr. Sanger has just joined us, uh, and I'm going to go to him next. But we've mentioned as annoying allies Israel, Turkey, Hungary, Britain, France, Germany in passing, the United States, uh, and Canada because they're too nice and their prime minister is too good looking. Uh, David, you get to pick one other country, and we'll go pretty quickly. Everybody get a couple of minutes here to clean up the list. David, you actually well, yeah, three. nobody he says to one, me but you can have David three. Well, knows, um, but uh, uh, that are annoying. America's most annoying allies. Oh, you didn't do Japan and South Korea? Go for it. 
<laughs> okay, right. So the the problem that we've run into here is, I think, threefold. The first part Corey has laid out, what do you do with democratic nations that aren't all that democratic? The second you uh, run into is, what do you do, and he alluded to this, with countries that sign up to Article 5 in NATO, but don't agree about what it is that needs to be done. And we've had um, cyber attacks on all of the major NATO countries, and they've done nothing in response to it, right? Even though a few years ago, they determined that cyber could be an Article 5 uh, violation. And then the third problem you run into is, what do you do with non-NATO countries, but close allies, who are busy complaining at each other? And that's why there was such joy the other day that um, President Yoon went to Japan, uh, hung out in the Ginza with the Prime Minister, uh, had some of his favorite noodle dishes, because he suggested that under the strain of dealing with China, these two were finally willing not to put aside their differences, but to basically ignore their differences for a while. And that might be the best we can hope for, uh, for a bit. That's why President Yoon is being invited to a state dinner uh, next month in, uh, in Washington. So um, these are all, um, you know, part of the issues of alliance management. And um, it's, it's a reality. The big question in my mind is, does doing something like a democracy summit make this management process easier or harder? Because by choosing some people to invite and choosing others not to invite, it's kind of like, David, as you select panelists on state radio, right? Who's, who, who did they decide no, wouldn't be all that appropriate? Not <laughs> it's not at all like that. Um, uh, but when some of those panelists arrive late, then they miss knowing that that's what we discussed last week's episode. Of course, episode. yeah. Um, uh, but uh, in any event, no, no, our panelists are carefully selected because they're 100% perfect all the time. Um, uh, Ed, somehow, despite your great knowledge of the Middle East, nobody mentioned our Gulf allies. Yeah, um, I was about to say until until a few minutes ago, David Sanger, we we had a podcast for you, and and now it's a podcast with you. And um, it, it, the other David, the other David is indicating it might turn into a podcast against you. Uh, if you would that be you, different you from any other podcast you've ever had? It was it was a different another spring day coincidentally Correct. that we discussed that last week. Um, the um, the Gulf Allies, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit sort of unclear as to whether they are technically well, well, actually allies. Um, so I think they are friends um, and frenemies sometimes. Uh, I mean, particularly the Saudis, who are now sort of mo moving rapidly, um, rapidly towards the sort of Chinese sphere of influence and the Russian to some degree. Um, but the Emiratis, I think, are the more sort of uh, the better bellwether of, you know, uh, the more rational, less um, capricious um, Gulf state. Um, and they're making it clear they're hedging. They're hedging in, uh, in a world where, 
you know, that's turning increasingly bipolar. They'd like good relations with the United States. They'd like the United States to continue to basically provide the security cover for it. Um, they're not entirely sure that that's going to be the case. And so like Saudi Arabia, they want to make peace with Iran. And that is a, that is, um, a sign of, you know, some of the shifting geopolitical sands. Um, uh, but I, I think I understand the Emiratis, even though they're breaking every possible sanction and are arguably the chief haven for Russian oligarch money. Um, I think I understand their sort of geopolitical hedging because they are in a very, very dangerous neighborhood and there's a lot of contentious um, uh, futures forecasting going uh, on. No, I mean, we have Canada in this hemisphere, Corey, as an annoying ally. Um, we haven't mentioned Mexico, um, although they being pretty annoying these days. Uh, do do are, do you have an annoying ally in the Western Hemisphere? Oh, plenty of them. <laughs> uh, I would nominate. Uh, so I take Ed's point about nominal versus actual allies. But the Rio Treaty of the 1940s wow. uh, had the original Article 5 clause and all of the countries of the Western Hemisphere signed up to it. So we do have actual allies. Well, also, also Argentina, we not and, named a non-NATO ally during the Clinton administration. Uh, when I was... When I was working in the joint staff as the NATO desk officer, Argentina formally applied for NATO membership. Um, and the joke was NATO is now the Northern and Southern Atlantic and Pacific yeah. Treaty Organization, um, uh, which, by the way, is coming true now that uh, Australia, Japan, South Korea and New Zealand heads of state participate in NATO summits. But I digress. I would uh, suggest countries of Central America that um, uh, that are fueling immigration because of corruption and a lack of law and order in their own countries. Um, that's who I'd nominate okay. from the Western David, Hemisphere. David, David, could I nominate a non-Western one? No, no, you can. You uh, this is going to be the okay. last uh, word It'll be brief. on this broad podcast, It'll be brief. so go ahead. So um, I remember covering President Bush and Pervez Musharraf, who sadly died uh, recently, um, up at Camp David uh, when, after 9-11, they were declared a major non-NATO And um, just think about that. We're talking about Pakistan. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's a that's a good point. There was a period there where everybody was an ally. It was like the Cold War was over and hey, become an ally. Join NATO. Be NATO plus one. Be Europe plus this. Be, you know, and, uh, you know, we started to realize that it's hard to be an ally. It's it's, you know, different from being a friend. Um, and uh, the standards have got to go up. And uh, uh, but we're, we're struggling with that now, uh, certainly in multiple fronts. Well, this has been fascinating. I, I, I hope, trust that it has uh, annoyed and alienated vast numbers of people around the world. Um, but, you know, go back right back at us. You know, we, we already said the U.S. is an annoying ally. 
And, uh, you know, it's worth just thinking these things through a little bit. Uh, and I'm glad we did. And I'm glad you joined us, David, there at the end. And I'm glad that Rosa was with us. And I'm glad that you were here, Corey. And I'm glad that you were here, Ed. And I hope that everybody uh, who is listening to this will join us for our next um, uh, podcast. And we got tons each week. And by the end of this month, um, which is to say the month of April, there are going to be a couple of new podcasts on this, uh, uh, the, the ever-expanding DSR network. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, although I told it to Corey the other day. But this past month, we passed three quarters of a million downloads in the month. And by uh, the end of this year, we expect to pass a million downloads a month, uh, which is a big deal because most of you folks out there listen to the whole podcast. So that's a lot of bandwidth. People are listening to 45 minutes each time they listen to the podcast. Um, and although we're the world's smallest media company, um, uh, that uh, suggests to us that we have succeeded in one thing, and that is picking excellent fans and supporters. You guys are loyal. We are grateful. Uh, and for those of you who are not members, go to the DSRnetwork.com, click on membership, and be a member because that's, you know, even better. Uh, thanks to all of you. Bye-bye.